First thing is to know who your audience is. Who are you going to be speaking to? Who are the people that need the information that you want to share? And understand them to the point where you even know the way in which they speak. Because, you know, there are communities of people that have certain buzzwords and certain things that they say. And you want to know every element you can about them. Because the more you can understand them, the better you can serve them. And the better you serve them, the more you're going to grow. Because they're going to share that with other people that they know that share those similar challenges or interests. And that is the key. The more you know about their challenges and the more you can address and provide them with solutions to those challenges, the more you're going to grow as well. So that is absolutely a big thing, in my opinion, is knowing your audience. Welcome to the Podcasting University. Looking for help on starting your own podcast? Then this is the place to be. We will help you with everything from selecting your topic to promoting and monetizing your podcast in the simplest language possible. Listen to other podcasters who've been through the grind and learn from them as we interview them every week. You can find more details on thepodcastinguniversity.com. Hello and welcome to episode 58 of The Podcasting University. Today I have a very special guest on the show who is a veteran in podcasting. With over 15 years experience in podcasting and all of his experience in TV production and audio, he's just the right person to get a lot of our questions answered on podcast production services. He's a fan of fantasy football and has helped build the fantasy sports channel from the ground up by recruiting experts and broadcasters and using social media to increase traffic and by creating a schedule that includes more fantasy sports programming than any other media outlet of any type. He is the CEO of Ironic Media, which is a podcast production company that helps podcasters launch and grow their show. Let us welcome Mark Ronick to the Podcasting University. Hey Mark, welcome to the Podcasting University. Happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, there is a lot that I want to understand from you from a podcasting perspective, considering that you are a veteran in podcasting. I think it's been about 15 years that you've been into podcasting, right? Yeah, actually, in this fall, it will be 16 years. Yes, that's a long time in podcasting. So before I get into all of those questions about podcasting, I would like to know more about Mark. What is it that you do in addition to podcasting? How did you get into podcasting and your journey with podcasting? Wow. Okay. well, I'll give you a very brief because I'm sure we'll get into it as we go here very briefly about what I do now. Now I produce podcasts and consult podcasters and not necessarily my own when I say I produce podcasts. I'm talking about producing other people's. My mission is to help as many people as I can to go out there and get their podcast out to the world to share their message and spread their message to the world. And I think that podcasting is a very effective way of doing that. So since I've been doing this for myself for so long, and I've also worked for other people along my career, I decided before even we knew there would be a pandemic, I decided to start a business very close to when the pandemic began. Began, maybe a few months before that. And I decided to do this full time. And I was formerly a TV producer for about five years 
prior to starting this business. And I left that job at the end of 2020 as my business was growing quickly and decided to do this full time. So that's what I'm doing now. And my career started about 16 years ago. I have a love for American football and there's a hobby slash, I guess it kind of is considered gambling. It's fantasy football. So it's more or less like you're betting on players instead of betting on teams. That's the easy way to explain it. And I was so passionate about it and podcasting. I had stumbled into podcasting and noticed there weren't a lot of them out there that were doing specifically for fantasy football. So I decided I would do one myself, grabbed a few people I knew, and we did that for a few years. And then I was contracted by a company called Blog Talk Radio. They were one of the first to do live streaming podcasting. And I had been putting my material on their platform and then started speaking with some of the people that worked there. And they brought me on as a contractor to help them develop a whole channel around fantasy sports. Because in addition to football, people are doing this in America for all the different professional sports now. And because of that, everyone is looking for advice to try to get the edge and you know win their game. So we created a whole network around it and we did a live streaming channel where it was eight hours straight of live content. And then in the off hours, we would run replays and it picked up in popularity very quickly. And we had at least a million downloads every month and I ended up leaving there once we discovered the company Sirius XM Radio, the satellite company. I guess they thought it was a really great idea. So they took that idea and took some of those hosts that we were working with <laughs> and they started their own. And I was flattered by that. I mean, if it were my own business and that had happened, I probably would have been upset about it. But I also knew that at the time, Blog Talk Radio wasn't interested in growing this channel that I had built for them. So I left. I ended up working for another company that was a formerly a radio show that had left their radio station and started a podcast. And I had happened to have worked for them years prior. So when I heard they were doing this, I reached out and said, I might be able to help. And within a few months, I was running all of their business activities and also assistant co producing their show. And that was a show that was getting roughly upwards of about a half million downloads a month. So I got a real good lesson in both learning from being an independent podcaster to then what I consider more of a big time podcast with those kinds of numbers. And we're really learning as we went because podcasting even at that time still was relatively young. And fast forward, I left there and I had already started a new podcast by then with my best friend. And it was more or less, we would talk about pop culture, we would talk about our lives, and we tend to do it in entertainment comedy type of show. And that show has recently produced a million downloads of its own. So I have all sorts of this experience and that's why I started the company. And that's what I'm doing here today, sitting here with you. Great. That's a lot of different kind of experience in podcasting. And out of curiosity, a question. So you said eight hours straight live streaming podcast. Yes, that's right. So how do you get eight hours continuous as in content for eight hours of conversation? So I should say that wasn't necessarily me doing all of that. So as I had mentioned, we collected a bunch of different podcast hosts that most of them were already even using this particular live platform. So they were already comfortable doing it. And what I did was I coordinated with all of these different podcast hosts and arranged a schedule to fill those eight hours straight. And so it was very easy for them to transition into doing something like that. So I 
I would have anywhere from five to 10 shows filling those eight hours. And if for some reason somebody didn't show up, if they got sick or whatever the reason may be, the system was set in a way that they could go to a backup and play a replay of another show. Okay. And this live streaming, so did you record it and play the replay after that? Yeah, so what would happen is once you do the live recording, it would automatically save as a recording, and then we can schedule those into the system. So which means people can consume it even if they're not part of the live streaming, they can still listen to it. That's right. That's something that a lot of companies are taking up these days. I see if you look at Clubhouse as well, given that recording and replay option these days so that whatever conversation is happening can be replayed at a later time as well. So I think that is something that a lot of companies are taking up these days now. Yes, they are. And I've personally taken up an interest in these social audio platforms. Technically, that's what they're called, like Clubhouse. And Clubhouse in particular is the one that I'm drawn to. And I do that. Actually, I hold my own room there every day, Monday through Friday. And they are Blog Talk Radio, the the company I was referring to a moment ago. They were one of the first genuinely to do something like that. And it's funny for me to see people introduced to an app like Clubhouse and be so amazed by it when I've seen this for at least 10 years now, but it's just now gaining in popularity. Yeah. Somebody who, you know, kind of started that, they couldn't profit out of it. And there are a lot of other people who are doing it these days. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Right. So you started the podcast consultation business that you're running, which is Ironic Media. Did you start it uh, recently or have you been running it for some time now? Yeah, like I said, I had the idea a few months before the pandemic. And the way I started it was I grabbed three people that I knew personally that I knew could do a good job podcasting. And I wanted the company to have a few podcasts under its belt as we launched our company. So I grabbed these three people. I told them I would do it for free for them to for that experience, for that resume. And then we launched, actually, all three of them launched right around, coincidentally, right around the pandemic. So yeah, I started the business technically at the very beginning of 2020, probably a few months before that. And I've been doing it ever since. Right. Yeah. So I want to get into that a little more, but something that I would like to know. So considering you got into podcasting quite some time back, I think not a lot of people were even aware of podcasting. You started a show on fantasy football in podcasting. So what made you pick podcasting as the platform? Because if I remember, I think the 2009, 2010s and all were blogging was at a peak. And people were like getting into blogging, making a lot of money out of blogging. So how did you pick podcasting for your topic of fantasy football? That's a great question. I picked podcasting because I've always been a fan of talk radio. And I don't know what it's like in India, but I can tell you talk radio here in America has always had a home. It's always been very popular, whether it's news or comedy, especially in the mornings. That's where you hear a lot of more entertainment style talk radio. And I have passion for that since I was a teenager. And so it was a natural progression. I don't even think I thought much of it other than, well, hey, now I can kind of pretend I'm on the radio and make my own podcast. Uh, And you're right. Nobody really knew much about them. Whenever I would tell them that I'm podcasting, it was a challenge to try to explain it. And even to this day, I think there are still some people out there in this country that will tilt their head when you say podcast. But thankfully, it has gained in popularity considerably over these past two years years. 
And, you know, when we talk about these different mediums, Mark, there's this question that I'd always had. So if I look at from a promotional perspective, so if I talk about what are the different channels that we are using to promote podcasting, and when I talk to podcasters, everybody referred to creating short videos, uploading the videos on YouTube, and these are some of the common tactics that a lot of people follow, which, you know, if I look at it from that perspective, it essentially means that we are using video to promote podcasting. So having said that, podcasting is in itself a very powerful medium to convey a message. But still, we are relying a lot on video and a lot of textual content to promote podcasts. So in spite of the fact that podcasting has been there for some time, what is your thought around it? Doesn't it feel like podcasting still needs the help of some of these other mediums to promote or for people to know about it? Yes, I do. And it's frustrating to me sometimes, even though I've been in TV production, it's still frustrating. My passion is with audio. And the frustration comes because, yes, you're right. It seems that we need to promote our podcasts that are audio with video. And here I am trying to stay only audio and I'm forced to still do video stuff because of that. So yes, it's a necessity because when we look at social media and I just use the word look and that's kind of the tell, that's the key word there. When we're looking at social media, a lot of people are looking at it even with the videos without the sound turned on. So we have to cater to where our audience is and if they are on platforms during their spare time on like an Instagram or Facebook spoke or what have you, then we've got to be there too to get in front of them. You know, you could consider it just like, it's not much different than say a McDonald's food chain. They're a restaurant business, but they still have to produce video content in order to get the word out that they're there, that they have a special, right? So it's the same idea really. And yeah, I think I answered your question, although I feel like you asked me more and I may not have answered it completely. I wanted to get a perspective of yours and what you said is absolutely right. And to some extent, I, as in, this is a personal feeling that I had that maybe that isn't happening on podcasting. Possibly that is one of the reasons why we need to get into a platform where there is an engagement in order to get our audience to listen to our podcast. So these are some of the things that have been going on in my mind. So I just wanted to get your perspective and you know what you said really makes sense. Yeah. And also the challenge of podcasting and getting the word out there is we don't really have a platform like a YouTube, you know, YouTube channels, they have their audience and they has its way of really creating this gigantic community where people can comment on the videos, they can rate the videos, they can interact more with the YouTube channels. Whereas with us, it's all on Spotify, it's all on Apple, it's on these different platforms where you could leave a review, but you can't really interact. There isn't that community sense. So we're forced to rely on a place like an Instagram or a Facebook because that's the only place that we really can have good quality interaction with our audience in that same way as YouTube. Right, absolutely. Yeah, makes sense. Right. So, Mark, coming to the entire business angle for podcasting, and I know that there are a lot of people who are making money using podcasting, but at the same time, there are a lot of content creators who have a podcast but aren't making money. And there could be different ways of doing it, but I've seen that there are a few very successful creators who have done well as a podcast consultant. But what I want to know from you, because you are into that business, what I want to know from you is how easy and how difficult do you think podcast consultation as a business is? My specific or podcasting in general as a business? You mean what I do? How difficult? Is that what you're asking? 
Right. In general, podcast consultation as a business, because it involves a lot of things. So what I wanted to know is because you are already doing it. How difficult is podcast consultation as a way of monetizing podcasts? How difficult is it? Or do you think it is probably one of the easiest methods of monetizing? So as far as the podcast production and consulting business, I think for me, one of the challenges, my clients don't even know that they need me yet because they may not have even thought about a podcast yet, or they've thought about a podcast and they don't know where to go. They don't know where to look. So that's what's challenging to me. Now, I got lucky in the sense that I did start right at the beginning of the pandemic. Once people were stuck at home looking for things to do and podcasting became extremely popular. So those people started doing a lot of research to find people like me, and that was very helpful. Or even still, I think really the way my business initially started to grow was through referrals, you know, where I worked with those three people for free and then they pushed it out, you know, their friends and then their friends wanted to know, how did you do that? And then they came to me. So in that regard, I am grateful for, I don't want to say how easy it was, but it certainly made it less challenging to start a business like this. I think that it's podcast itself, as far as monetization goes, that can be challenging too, especially when we talk about that there are still people out there that don't know what a podcast is or how effective a podcast can be. And the advice that I give a lot of podcasters is that you have to treat your podcast the same way you would if you were to start a brand new business. You have to treat it like a business. A lot of podcasters feel like once they produce the content and put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into their content, and once they publish it to the world, they believe, or at least I think they have it in their heads, whether they know it or not, that once they put it out there, it's going to get a lot of listens and they're going to become rich very quickly. And that's just not a case. It's just like starting a business. You don't start a business. Let's say it's a retail store. You don't start a store and open up the doors and expect people to just start pouring in. You have to put in the marketing and the advertising and the hard work to get people through your doors. And I think the same applies to podcasting and And for some reason, I think a lot of people don't connect those dots. Mm, Right. What you said is right. So specifically from a podcast, podcasting company as in a podcast consultation and, you know, production company. So, you know, consulting people, helping them produce a podcast. So in that kind of a business, what are the difficulties that you think, you know, people might face if they get started? I think a lot of people, their confidence in themselves is tested. There's a lot of the term that I hear and use often is imposter syndrome. They feel like they're fooling everybody into thinking they know something, even though they do. They have something to share with value. They start to doubt themselves. They start to think, well, I'm not the only one that has this information to share. So why would anybody else want to listen to me? And so there is that element. That's why I do consider myself a bit of a coach as well as a consultant because there is a lot of mindset that's involved in doing a podcast successfully. You have to have that confidence. You have to embrace that you are becoming an authoritative figure in your field when you're putting this content and this information out there. So that's the challenge for me and for the podcaster, for that matter. The challenge for me is to help open their eyes to the fact that they can do this. And really, I do believe almost anybody can do a podcast successfully. It's a matter of convincing them that they can. So yeah, I think that's probably the biggest challenge that I see consistently from a new podcaster. Right. So in order for you to get started with this business, Mark, so did you need some kind of an, you know, infrastructural setup or maybe a support system, editors and something like that? Or did you start all of this on your own single handedly and then, you know, you branched it out? So how has that worked? 
Yes. So I've been somewhat of a serial entrepreneur all my life, even back in high school. And the one thing that I've done, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs do, is I kind of just wing it. You know, I at first I just kind of do it and see what happens. Right. And the thing that I've learned up until I started this business is that only gets me so far. All of the different businesses I've done, with maybe the exception of one other, I hit a plateau and then I just give up or, you know, or eventually let it run its course and move on to the next thing. And I didn't do that quite the same this time. I did start it up and took my best guess and did some research and had somewhat of an infrastructure. But for the most part, I did absolutely everything from the editing to the publicity. You name it, I did everything. And the difference this time is I went out and I hired a coach, somebody that would help me personally. It was actually kind of a business and personal development coach and got encouragement from him to start delegating. He was identifying for me the fact that I was really busy and if I wasn't careful, I was going to get in over my head. And he kept encouraging me. The first thing he kept saying is you should find some other editors to help you with that workload because as I'm sure you know, it takes time to edit and I needed that help. And once it took me a while, it took me probably a couple months of convincing because you know here I was relying on promoting my services, me being a great editor and a great producer. And now I'm bringing in other people. I felt almost like I was being misleading. And what I quickly learned once I dove in was I can teach these editors how to do it my way. They may not know how to do it their way, and they may have some better ways that I'll learn from them. And ultimately, we're going to end up creating a better product for my clients uh, working with a professional editor. So that was a big one for me because then that's now unlocked other things. Now I've got somebody who's going to be my project manager who's going to help more of the day-to-day activity. They're going to manage because I have a client list now of a couple dozen different podcasts. So if I want to continue to grow the business, my focus has to be mainly on the growth and working with my clients that I coach one-on-one. I'm going to have some masterminds coming here in the near future and some courses and stuff. That's where my attention needs to be. So I've got a project manager that I'm currently training now that will handle the day-to-day production for me, which will clear out a big portion of my plate so that I can focus on all of those other things. Right. And like what you said, know that editing for a fact is something that takes the most time in podcasting. And I've spoken to some of these people who have quit podcasting only because they were so overwhelmed with all that they had to do with editing. They felt that they were spending way too much time in that. And slowly they started, you know, giving up and then they quit podcasting. So I think editing is a big factor in the total time that is taken to create a podcast, which can at times, you know, maybe the become the reason for people to quit podcasting. So yeah, that's a big factor. And you know, it's a great point because it goes back to exactly what I was just saying. For me, it was hard to delegate responsibilities in my business. And I know that podcasters find it hard to delegate some of the things that they do, or they don't even realize or think that they could be delegating. And I think that is a common reason why podcasters quit is because they're so overwhelmed. And if they only considered hiring somebody to help them with the editing, or bringing on a coach to help them find ways to make more time for themselves to be less overwhelmed. There are a lot of resources out there. And not to mention, there's now the rise in artificial intelligence and editing your podcast that way. So there are lots of solutions out there. And it breaks my heart to see people quit because they could have just delegated or found the right resources to keep going. 
Right. And, you know, something that I connect with what you said is because this is something that I experienced some time back. There is this feeling that my podcast, I am the best editor. So what happens is I am a little reluctant in handing it over to somebody to edit. That was a situation that I too was in some time back. And then when I once did it, I found an editor, I trained them, I told them what are the things that I'm looking at in terms of editing and this is how you need to edit, what is the expectation. And when they started doing it after some time i realized okay this is something that i could easily have delegated so what you said is absolutely right i can very much relate to it this is something that we hold so dearly with us but not realizing that it is something that can easily be delegated absolutely right so in podcast production in the business that you are running mark so what you do is you manage podcasting for your clients even after onboarding them training them on podcasting For their weekly production also, you continue helping them or how does it work? So I have a few different types of clients. The main client, or at least the one that probably I have the most clients, is how I started the business. It was mainly podcast production. Strictly, they would hand me a recording and I would turn it around into a a finished product. And what I started realizing early on is I have a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge. Knew I had the experience, but didn't realize I had a lot that I could teach. And I started coaching these clients clients just naturally and realizing how much it was helping them. And so I really opened up the doors to more straight consulting and coaching. So I have the production clients and I have clients that I help with both production and regular consultation. And then I have just the coaching and consultation clients, which has been for this year has been my more of those types of clients than I ever have before. It seems I enjoy it. It seems to be working for the clients. It's a lot of fun to be able to sit down with podcasters who already know a lot of what they're doing and then really help them fine tune some of the stuff or find them opportunities to help improve or grow their podcast. So yeah, it's production and consulting. And then there's just the straight consulting clients. And these clients, are they business or are they, you know, individuals as well? Yeah, it's a mixture. And mainly, I would say, if I'm being truthful, it's thinking it through. Probably the majority are independent podcasters. And then I have a couple, a few clients that are doing this strict, you know, mainly for their business or it is for a business that hired me to do this. So with these individual podcasters, Mark, something that I wanted to understand is now, because I've seen a lot of these individual podcasters, they start off a podcast because they think that they have a message that they can convey. It's either it can be a hobby or there is a message that they wanted to convey. They start off with this podcast and after maybe 15, 20 episodes into it, they realize that this is something that I should consider monetizing and then they aren't sure about how to go about monetizing. So in your consultations with these individual podcasters, have you come across people talking to you about podcast monetization in the beginning itself? Or have you come across situations where people have started and then after some time they realize that no, they wanted to monetize their podcast and they're trying to figure out what are the ways? Both. A lot of podcasters or new podcasters that come to me, that is generally speaking, that is one of the first questions they ask me is how can I make money on this? How can I monetize my podcast? And early on, I encourage people not to make that their focus. Make it your goal, but don't make it your focus early on. Instead, let's focus on putting together a quality product that's actually serving others. It's something that's helping others, adding value to other people's lives, because that's where it all starts. If you are putting together a subpar podcast, 
you're never going to be able to monetize it. So let's focus first on putting together your best product and then we can focus on monetizing. And there are some things that podcasters can do out of the gate to monetize or attempt to monetize. Overall, the expectations should be managed appropriately because even with some of those options, it's still not going to make you rich anytime soon. Uh, You have to be patient in order to see that money start coming in. And then, yes, I do see podcasters quit after time because they never were able to make the money that they wanted. And usually that's a sign that they had opportunities to improve their podcast and to to set them up for that success, but they never seized those opportunities. And therefore, eventually they burnt out and stopped altogether. And I think podcast monetization and to be very frank, while there are a lot of people that I've spoken to, I've come across people who start off podcasts saying that they just wanted to do it as a hobby. But at some point, they start to realize that they are not able to sustain that hobby if it is not giving them anything in return in terms of monetary returns. So they start to look at podcast monetization and then they get frustrated and then they just simply quit because they think it is eating into too much of their time. So that's basically what I wanted to understand. Do you do that conversations with these people? in the beginning itself set that expectations telling them that it is going to take some time or do you take it slowly once they've gotten into that podcasting mode releasing episodes consistently do you talk to them about monetization after they do that yeah i always make sure that their expectations are appropriate so yes early on in the conversation i am going to have that conversation with them occasionally i will come across somebody who's already got a really large following that's a whole different story because you can monetize a a lot quicker that way. But for those who are kind of starting from scratch, like you said, kind of doing it as a hobby, yeah, I make sure to always have those conversations with them so that they know what they're getting into. And quite frankly, if I'm being honest, if I didn't do that, I think that I would be one of the first people they'd blame for not making money, right? So I want them to understand, don't be surprised if we're not making you money right out of the gate. And my dedication to them is I will make sure to do everything I can to help you get there. Right. And, you know, with these individual podcasters, Mark, so in your conversations, what have you come across as the biggest questions that they have, the biggest challenges that they have? The monetization is definitely the biggest challenges. And as I said earlier, I think the other one is really having the confidence. You know, I can tell you, I've been surprised. I've had people hire me. They pay me what I consider a decent amount of money to at least to make this kind of investment. And then they get scared to do it. And I have had clients have paid me that that money and then disappear. I reach out to them. Are you, you know, ready to go? Let's get started. Not quite ready yet. You know, there's always excuses. So people, that is a big challenge. It's having that confidence for sure. And then the monetization is the other one, the common one. Those are the first and main ones that come to mind. Yeah, true. And (laughs) that getting started piece, you know, I can see in some of the workshops that I run in spite of those being paid workshops, people pay for it, but don't turn up for the workshop. So I at times ask that question myself as in if I were in their place, I would never have done that. So I ask myself as to what could be the reason why they didn't turn up. So (laughs) right to your point. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I think another one is, is that people often think that they need expensive equipment to podcast. And the truth is, is they don't need any of they don't need anything other than a smartphone if they came down to it that's really all you need and i've been even lately i've been surprised i've had some clients practice podcasting even before they get their equipment by using their phone and i've been surprised at how good it sounds considering it's coming straight from a smartphone 
So what I want people to understand is, yes, you can do it with a smartphone, do it with an app, and you can literally record, edit, and publish all from your phone and very easily. And I think that's one that I would love for more people to understand and connect with and get excited about. Right, that's a good point. Yeah, so coming back to running a business around podcasting, Mark. So, you know, for example, your podcast production and podcast consultation. So what is your strategy in terms of finding clients? Because one of the reasons why I wanted to understand that is because I've seen that a lot of people have good knowledge about podcasting, have been into podcasting for some time, but there is still that reluctance in approaching or talking to somebody about that kind of a service. So what is your strategy in terms of how do you find clients? Do you cold outreach? So how does it work? So I do no cold outreach, really. It's something that I prefer not to do if I don't have to. And so how do I do it? I actually, one of the first things I did was I put myself on Fiverr and I got a couple of clients out of it. And that gave me some confidence. And then I decided, well, if I'm on Fiverr, I need people to know I'm on Fiverr. And I started an Instagram account and I've been using Instagram. And actually this year I've been studying Instagram and I hired a coach to help me with my marketing and my social media marketing. And now I'm growing my Instagrams. And then Clubhouse, as we mentioned earlier, has become a great way for me to get the word out there. So what I'm finding is if I am going on the social media platform, whether it's Clubhouse, whether it's Instagram, and if I am genuinely on a mission to help people with their podcasts, the business comes to me. I don't have to ask for it. I don't have to pay for advertising. I don't have to cold call. I don't have to do that sleazy thing where I slide into people's DMs and I start telling them, hey, you want me to start your podcast for you? I don't do any of that. I just put myself out there genuinely, authentically, and the business comes. And you know, sometimes some months aren't as strong as others. And that to me tells me that I haven't done a good enough job putting myself out there. So I think that's the lesson I would encourage anybody to walk away with today, if nothing else, is to put yourself out there, serve others, serve those people that need it, teach them what you know, and you will get business in return. And it's not always from those people you help. It ends up being, I've gotten referrals from the people I've helped. I helped one woman on Clubhouse. She came up into my room and came up on the virtual stage and was asking me, how do I be a great guest on a podcast? I want to be the best guest on every podcast that I go on. So I gave her a bunch of advice and stayed in touch. I mean, we talk here and there. She started a podcast, never came to me for it. And I'm okay. I'm fine that she didn't. And what I love is after about a year and a half of knowing her, I got a referral from her last week. And that's the beauty of it is you never know. It's all about relationships. And as I keep saying, serving others. And if you do those things, the business comes, at least in my experience. No, I think, you know, what you said makes real sense because if you... Look at it from the social media, from the strategy that everybody is recommending for Instagram as well. There is so much of value that people are offering. And I see that value is bringing them all of those followers, which they are then able to monetize it. As in, they don't even need to do a cold outreach to any of their followers. It's they who are in a way resulting in the monetization strategy for all of those creators. So yeah, it's all about providing value today. It's not about marketing campaigns that you're running. If you provide value, I think people are automatically reach out to you. 
Absolutely. I completely agree with you. Yeah, I think that is really the key to success these days. I think the days of cold calling, the days of that typical salesperson, that sleazy salesperson, I think those days are long gone. And I think eventually it's not going to work at all anymore. I think they still do work right now. And I think the more and more people connect with the idea of serving your community, serving others, that all those old ways are going to go out the window. Right. So what I want to know from you, from a newbie podcaster perspective, there are two things that I wanted to understand from you. One, what are your tips on building an audience for a new podcaster today? That is one of the biggest challenges for people with so much of noise in podcasting. And I see there are so many podcasts out there on a specific topic that you standing out becomes very difficult. So if there is a new a podcaster, newbie podcaster who is starting off with a podcast, what will be your tips on building an audience for the show? My tips would be to pick a social media platform, preferably one that you know your audience or potential audience may be spending the most time using. So for example, if they're a younger audience, it might be on TikTok or Instagram. If it's an older audience, it might be Facebook or LinkedIn. Pick one that works with your audience if you can. If not, pick the one that speaks most to you, the one that you feel most comfortable with, and spend your time mastering that platform understand how it works, understand how the community in the platform, how they work, how they operate, and go all in into that platform. Give it your best shot. Always put out valuable content back to serving others. Put out that content that's really can help people and have that be the place where your audience grows because they will eventually follow and they will go to your podcast. And the key is not to post all day every day about your podcast. The key is to post information that is relevant to your podcast. So for example, if I'm a business coach and I have a podcast as well, I'm not posting every day, hey, go listen to my next episode. Instead, I'm posting about the material we discussed in that episode, the latest episode. And when the episode comes out, let's say it comes out every Wednesday, Sure, on Wednesday, I'm going to put out some more relevant information about the new episode so people know it's there and can go get it. But I don't like any podcaster to rely solely on promotion using a social media platform. That's what I would say. And then what I would also say, again, going back to Clubhouse, I encourage everybody that I start working with, if they don't already use Clubhouse, to use a social audio app because it provides you great practice. Again, goes back to putting out a good product is the first step to monetizing. And you want to be as sharp of a host as you can be. And getting on a social audio app, speaking in rooms that are relevant to your genre, or even starting your own room that's relevant to it, uh, that's going to help you considerably with confidence. And you're going to find an audience there while you're at it. And these are people that are already there because they enjoy audio platforms. So it's a natural progression as they get to know you to want to then go out and listen to your podcast as well. So I would absolutely, I think the first place a new podcaster should start is by picking one social media platform and maybe a social audio platform and go all in, put all your effort into that and into growing that and by effect, it will help your podcast grow as well. Social audio, I think, just because it is live conversation and something that I've observed is that a lot of people who get started with podcasting are people who are introverts and you know who don't want to show their face on maybe video or who aren't very comfortable with social media. So 
they prefer picking that microphone recording something and putting it out there and when it comes to something like a social audio i've seen that there is a lot of underconfidence reluctance in people to go out there and talk because it is live conversation there is nothing that can be edited so i see that there is a lot of reluctance in people to go out there and do that on something like that of a clubhouse i've been to some of these rooms and i've experienced that myself and i've seen that happen so i think that is something that as a newbie podcaster you need to kind of go and address first so that you can get into these social audio platforms Yeah, the best things come from being uncomfortable and pushing ourselves through the discomfort. And I learned that firsthand just recently, a couple of years ago when the Clubhouse app first started. And I probably joined it six to eight months later. And it took me a good month or two to have the courage to get up on a stage and start talking. And here I am podcasting for 15 some years and I still was nervous. And once I did it, everything started to unlock. And now here I am. It's a year and a half, I guess, later. And now I'm running a room every single morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time talking to people about podcasting. And it's helping my business grow as a result. And I almost gave up. I almost decided I was not going to use it. I was convincing myself that it was not for me. And had I done that, I don't know that my business... Actually, I do know. My business would not be where it is today if I hadn't pushed through the discomfort of Instagram and of Clubhouse. So I would encourage anyone listening If you're thinking, oh, I am not getting on social media, I would encourage you to take a deep breath, relax and consider it and dabble in it. You don't have to jump into it right away, but start to understand it. Watch a video about how to grow a podcast on Instagram. Anything that you can do to help get your mind in a more comfortable place, the better. So I encourage you to push through the discomfort and watch the magic that comes out on the other side. That's a good advice. I think that is something that's probably the easiest way to get into something that you feel uncomfortable with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We are so quick to walk away from something because we're uncomfortable about it. And that's where we learn, right? That's how we learn the most is when we are in a new situation. So be okay with being uncomfortable. And eventually you'll then be able to make that educated decision whether or not it's right for you. And you might come out of it at the end and say, you know what? Yeah, that clubhouse is isn't for me. And that's okay. I guarantee you'll have learned something and you'll then be one step closer to finding the place that is right for you. Right. Absolutely. And before I let you go, Mark, one final question that I had. So for somebody who's starting off with a podcast, somebody who comes to you for a consultation to get started with a podcast, what will your suggestion be on what are the basic things that they need to take care of before they can hit record and for their first episode of their podcast? First thing is to know who your audience is. Who are you going to be speaking to? Who are the people that need the information? that you want to share and understand them to the point where you even know the way in which they speak, right? Because, you know, there are communities of people that have certain buzzwords and certain things that they say and do. You want to know every element you can about them because the more you can understand them, the better you can serve them and the better you serve them, the more you're going to grow because they're going to share that with other people that they know that share those similar challenges or interests. And that is the key the more you know about their challenges and the more you can address and provide them with solutions to those challenges, the more you're going to grow as well. So that is absolutely a big thing, in my opinion, is knowing your audience for sure. And also set goals for yourself. 
understand why is it that you're in this? Why do you want to have this podcast? What is it about it? Do you want to do it to be famous? Do you want to do it to make money? Do you want to do it strictly to serve other people? Is it a hobby? Understand your direction going into it and set some goals for yourself, realistic goals that you know you can achieve and then figure out how you're going to get there. But going into it blindly or not understanding what you want out of it is going to hurt you because then you are going to experience when you're several episodes into it, 50 episodes into it, at some point, you are going to start questioning, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Right? So yeah, I think those are two big ones there. I could go on and on. But I would say if you're getting started, and you want to know the most important things is know your audience and know yourself and what you want out of this. And I guess the last thing I would say is remember that your podcast, although it's yours, although you've created it, it's not for you. It's for your audience. You want to always be thinking about them in the way that you're delivering the message. It's not about you. They'll get to know you and they'll want to know more about you. And if you want to share more about you, then there's that social media thing we were just talking about that you can put yourself out there more and share more with them and have that engaging communication with them. So yeah, that would be the three things I would suggest. Right. Excellent. Yeah. Very valid points. Right. So, you know, something that I was a little curious about, which I I want to know, Kermit the Frog. Are you somebody who is into that as a hobby? So how did Kermit, you know, shape, take shape? How did it happen? Yeah. So what's guessing why he's asked me about Kermit the Frog is because in my social media, one way to help myself get more comfortable doing video was to incorporate a Kermit the Frog puppet into my material. And I'll tell you it, the reason for it. I've always loved the Muppets since I was a, a child when my parents sat me down in front of Sesame Street. And even into my adulthood before I had kids, I always enjoyed the Muppets because there was a charm about them and a sense of humor about them that was very much catered and directed to adults too. And I think I picked up on a lot of that as a kid and to this day, especially. And at some point several years ago, got it in my head that I really wanted an authentic Kermit the Frog puppet, something that really looked like the real thing. If I handed it to you and said, this was one of Jim Henson's original Muppets, you would believe me. Because right now, what I had prior to that was just some little toy I got out of a store that's a puppet, but it doesn't really look authentic. So I found somebody on Facebook. I'm in some Facebook groups of people who make these Muppet puppets. And I found this one gentleman and started chatting with him and ended up hiring him to make me one. So I did that after having a very successful 2021. It was kind of my treat to myself. And I made the decision, well, if I'm going to have this thing, I really need to use it. How am I going to use this thing? I'm not going to start you know, doing shows on the road anytime soon. So what can I do? So I decided I would incorporate it into my material. And I'm having a blast doing it. It makes me feel like a kid. It brings out my creativity. Even when I'm not using it, it's helped my creativity really come to life. And yeah, so any chance I get to use it, I'm going to use it when I can. And it gives a very interesting perspective to the video, to be very frank. And the funny conversation kind of reels that you put out on Instagram, it is very interesting. And when you listen to it, you want to go through it again and again. So I really liked it. And I'm sure your followers are also probably liking it. It's a very nice way of putting out those videos and communicating something that is relevant in a very funny way. Well, exactly. And that's the whole thing is whether you're teaching people about podcasting or almost anything else, Generally speaking, we all have the same information. There's nothing that earth shattering. There, a 
occasionally somebody might come up with something that's really profound, but overall, we all have the same message. And again, that's for every business or every genre out there. And so it's really how do we deliver it? How are we going to say it in a way that sticks with our audience or potential audience? And so this is just one of my ways of doing that is how I stand out among the large crowd because I am not the only one and there are a lot of people that do what I'm doing. So how am I going to be different? I'm going to grab a Kermit the Frog puppet and do an impression and have a conversation with him like I always wanted to when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Nice way of doing it. Right. So thanks a lot, Mark. Thanks for taking the time out for all of the valuable inputs on podcast consultation and podcast production, because that is something that I want to understand a lot more from you. So thanks for taking the time out and giving us all of this information and sharing all of this valuable input on the show. You're very welcome. And I should say, I want to say that you do a great job as well on your social media. And you're a great example for your audience of putting out value to your audience and doing it on a consistent basis. And I see you out there. I see you doing it consistently. I see you trying different things and figuring out what works and what doesn't. And that's what it's all about. I congratulate you, commend you for putting in all that hard work. Thanks a lot for that, Mark. And thanks once again for agreeing to come on the show and taking the time out. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Mark about getting started with a podcast production services business. Visit thepodcastinguniversity.com forward slash 57 for the show notes and the resources for this episode. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode, I'm sure you will like some of my earlier conversations as well, which you will be able to find at thepodcastinguniversity.com. If you're new to podcasting, then don't forget to join my free 10-day e-course on getting started with podcasting at my website thepodcastinguniversity.com forward slash free dash guide. Go ahead and enroll for the free e-course there. The Podcasting University is available on pretty much all podcasting platforms, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Ghana, Geo7, and Amazon Prime Music as well. Pick your favorite platform and give it a listen there. And if you liked this show, then do take a few minutes and provide a rating for the show and a review because that helps in the overall ranking of this show on the different podcasting directories. And if you're enjoying this podcast, then do consider subscribing to the show so that you stay updated with the latest episodes that I come out with. That is all that I have for this episode. I'll be back again the next week with another interesting podcast-related conversation. Until then, keep listening to the Podcasting University and you all have a wonderful rest of the day.